If you would, turn your Bibles to Psalm 100. While you're doing that, we're going to do one more thing. I'm going to ask Josh Womble if he would come up. As many of you know, Josh Womble is spending his final Sunday with us. He has been called to go to be a part of a pastoral team at a church in Oklahoma City. And Josh Womble has been with us since 2005. It's been 10 years that he's been here at our church serving and is, and is such a blessing. Uh, tonight, we're going to ordain him into the gospel ministry. Uh, it's a special ordination service tonight. If you can be back tonight, we, we ask you to. It'll be really, really nice. If you've never seen a church put their stamp of approval of God's calling on a man's life to be a pastor, then you'll get to see that tonight. Um, it's at 6 o'clock, and then after that, there'll be a reception downstairs uh, for Josh, an opportunity for you to love on him, and we'll have a card tree for him for you to give him an encouraging card and that sort of thing. Uh, but Wombles leaving us. And uh, we hate to lose our good people, but uh, we're encouraged to know that church is getting him. And something that I said a few weeks ago, and I'll say it again today, I've always heard that the best churches send out their best people. Okay? That strong churches send out their best people, right? Um, And hopefully, this is a place where God is raising up good people and growing them in the faith. And so we send them off. And I can say this wholeheartedly, and I know you agree with me, I'm thankful that that church is getting Josh. That church is getting a good guy, a good man, a good servant, a good pastor, and they'll be blessed like we have been. So, church, if you would, please join me as I pray for Josh. Father in heaven, thank you for Josh Womble. Thank you, God, that uh, a boy from Tennessee, at Union University, that you called him to go to school here. He could have gone anywhere, but he came here to go to seminary here in Louisville and right away found Fairdale and plugged in here. and The last ten years have been a blessing of him being a, a fantastic leader, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, a man of God, a servant in any way. And we thank you for that. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be upon him, that you would use him, continue to gift him, that he might be used to spread the gospel to the world, that he might be used to make disciples there in Oklahoma City. God, we thank you for Josh Womble, for the blessing he's been to First Baptist Fairdale. And we ask your blessing on him now as he goes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, brother. I got a little gift for you. Now to Psalm 100. This is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. I want to preach to you on the subject of Thanksgiving and what it means to be grateful. You know, there's not much of a difference between being thankful and being grateful, right? Thankful seems to be the way you express it, and grateful seems to be the way that you feel it, right? Not much of a difference. Val makes all these little decorations in the house for each season. And came home this week and she was making one of these little things that hangs through the window like that. And G-R-A-T-E-F-U-L. And the boys didn't know that word and didn't know what it meant. And we said, well, it's kind of like being thankful. <laughs> I said, well, why didn't we just put the word thankful? 
She said, I don't know. It just seems like being grateful seems deeper. I want to ask you today if you're grateful. Are you able to be grateful? So we look at Psalm 100 in the Word. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can use the black one there. It's uh, in the pew. I believe it's page 544. This is the only psalm in the Bible out of the 150 psalms that has the title, A Psalm of Thanksgiving. A Psalm of Giving Thanks. If you're using a different version than I'm using, it may say there at the top of Psalm 100, a psalm for praise. But that word is better translated thanksgiving, and that's why many Bibles also say thanksgiving there. Very fitting for us that Thanksgiving week, a national holiday for us. I'm excited about Thanksgiving. You know, the Carolina Panthers play on Thanksgiving this year. They play the Cowboys Thursday. And the way regional football works, we don't get to watch the Panthers that much. We will get to this year. I'm excited for Thanksgiving. But much more than turkey and ball games and family, I want my heart to be thankful. I want my heart to be grateful. And I know that often it's not. And so I need the Word of God in Psalm 100 to instruct me on giving thanks. Let's read Psalm 100. It's short, only five verses. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness to all generations. This is a psalm about thanksgiving. You know, the psalm is, the psalms, you might call the Psalter, all 150 put together, is a songbook that the people of Israel used to sing. They, they would sing these. And in all the studying and research I was doing, this is perhaps the most sung of all, Psalm 100. The church and the history of the church says that they used to sing this one all the time. They'd say, oh, isn't it good? Let's sing the old 100th, they would say, because this psalm is so good. It's a psalm in which they are calling each other to sing. Let's sing to God. Well, if you're going to sing, somebody says, well, what are we singing for? What are, we, what are we singing about? This past Wednesday night at church, it was such a great Wednesday night here. We sang happy birthday to one of our church people. Why did we sing? Because that person is very dear to us. And we wanted to encourage them and love on them. Singing brings with it a reason for singing. And this psalm encourages us to sing. But it answers it as soon as it keeps going. Why are they singing? Because they have a lot to be thankful for. Because they are a grateful people. God's people 
what do they have to be thankful for? And when I ask you at the beginning, are you thankful, are you grateful? You probably started examining, do I have anything to be thankful for? Struggles are different. At times we think, maybe I don't have as much to be thankful for as the next person. And that's where this psalm is going to hit the nail on the head today and show us what we should be grateful for. Three points today. Number one, thankful people sing to the Lord. You see how I just used thankful instead of grateful? I mean to say grateful. Grateful people sing to the Lord. Grateful people sing to the Lord. Number two, we're thankful because the Lord is God. We are grateful because the Lord is God. And then number three, we are grateful because the Lord is good. Grateful people sing to the Lord. Grateful because He is God. And grateful because He is good. Look with me at verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. The singing people of God want everybody to sing to God. It is a, it is a crying out. Let everybody do this. No matter who you are or where you're at, Sing to the Lord. Make a good noise to Him, a joyful noise to Him. Let something come out of you that says, God, You are great, You are good, You are awesome, You are worthy, You are lovely. Sing to Him. Then it says to serve the Lord with gladness. You know, there is a lot of serving the Lord that happens in the world. Perhaps the measure of sincerity or it being genuine would be, are you glad? We're familiar with the passage in the New Testament about giving that says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And so it is here. That not only should we be cheerful givers, but we should be cheerful servants. We should be glad that we serve the Lord God. His commandments are not burdensome, He teaches us. It is a delight to obey God. And here it is, serve the Lord with gladness. And then it says again, come into His presence with singing. Psalm 100 begins with the first two verses with a grand invitation to sing to the Lord. Grateful people in this psalm of thanksgiving are singing to God. Charles Spurgeon says that a happy God is worshipped by happy people. I want to ask you today, are you happy? Are you joyful? Does your heart have gladness? And again, if you come back with, well, you, I don't have anything to be happy for, then you're walking right into what the Psalm 100 wants you to walk into. Perhaps our eyes and our hearts and our affections are looking for things to make us joyful and glad instead of Him to make us joyful and glad. Perhaps the reason why you don't sing or that you don't like to sing or you don't like to sing with gladness or you don't want other people to be singing to God is because you measure your devotion to God based off the things God gives you instead of God Himself. Thomas Watson says, listen to this, it is a sign that the oil of grace has been poured into the heart when the oil of gladness shines on the countenance. Yes, cheerfulness credits religion. That's a good quote. Doesn't a cheerful child of God cause you to think God might be true? 
And doesn't a bad attitude, bitter, unhappy Christian cause you to think, what's wrong with them? Or rather, what's wrong with Him? God. I'm not saying you should be happy and smiling and acting like all is well every day. But the psalmist is calling us to be people that have a joy and gladness in our heart that is able to sing to the Lord despite our circumstances. The invitation here is to give thanks and sing to the Lord, make a joyful noise to Him with gladness, and let's do it as we are coming into His presence. We want to be with God. We, we, we are welcomed by God and we come there. May we sing to God. One of my favorite songs, and, and some of the younger people here that have been around me for a long time know that this is one of my very favorite songs, perhaps my very favorite. I think Lauren Hill sung it best in the movie Sister Act called his eyes on the sparrow it says why should I feel discouraged and why should the shadows come why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion a constant friend is he his eyes on the sparrow and I know he watches over me his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Now listen to this chorus. I sing because I'm happy. And I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Church, is it not enough to know that God Almighty cares intimately for the sparrow and if He cares for the sparrow and makes sure the sparrow is not in need and that the sparrow is completely provided for, is it not enough for us to say, I know He watches me. and His eye is on me. And Jesus is my portion. And a constant friend is He. Therefore, I sing to Him. I ask you today to be a grateful person and in your gratefulness, be one who sings to God. Sing to God. Sing with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Be eager to come into His presence with singing. Secondly, we are grateful because He is God. Look at verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. The psalmist here says, know this, know that. Here's something you have to know. Can I encourage you here today that if there are some things about God that you don't know, your gratefulness will be weakened and perhaps maybe absent. Christian people are knowledgeable people. I'm not saying how smart you have to be. I'm not saying how much you have to know. But there are some things you need to know. And it begins with, He is God. Know this, that the Lord is God. Y'all, there's only one. And Womble read a passage today that we're going to be accountable to Him. And the Bible teaches us that we have a Maker. And we live 
and exist in Him. Acts 17, 28. In Him we live and move and have our being. And the psalmist reminds us of this in verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. What does that mean? He qualifies it. It is He who made us. And we are His. There's a great truth about you and your life and all of your desires that God made you and therefore God owns you. He is your maker. He can do what He wants with you. And yet He loves you and cares about you. But the psalmist, in wanting us to be a thankful people, in wanting us to be a singing, glad people, reminds us the Lord that you are singing to is God. He is the Maker. The universe is upheld by His hand, is upheld by His power. God holds the stars, the billions of stars in His hand, and calls them by name. God holds every single one of our lives and our heartbeats right there in His hands and has control over them. He loves us. And the psalmist sees you and I being people who are embracing and and grasping and getting the idea, man, He's God. God. I know God. I'm near to God. This person that we're here today for, God is God. And He is our God. We are His. The psalmist knows that just getting an understanding of that Will make you grateful. And so often we think, don't know if I've got anything really to be thankful for. But when we start to see God and that He declares that we are His, our hearts erupt with grateful. We are His. He made us. And then He says this. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. He turns to an analogy. He could have just said He's God and we're His. We can sort through that all the many ways that we want to. But He turns to an analogy and says that we're His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. In other words, God has a pasture. And we're the people. The people living in it. In other words, God is a shepherd. And we're the sheep that He shepherds. We're the ones He leads and cares for. We're we're the ones that He knows so dearly. We're the ones that He has devoted His livelihood to. We're the ones He has devoted His work to. We're the ones that He takes care of. We are the sheep of His pasture. But... We know that not everybody is His sheep. Who are God's sheep? Not everybody is. Not everybody wants to be. There's a whole lot of people in the world right now that would say, no, I'm not. I'm not His sheep. There's some people who would even push back with the beginning of verse 3 and say, no, He's not God. Well, He is God. But if you don't know that He's God, 
you're not his sheep. If you don't know that he's God, and you don't know that you're his sheep, then I'm going to dare say you struggle to be grateful. And at the moments that you are grateful, it's based on favorable circumstances. And I hope you've all lived long enough to know that your gratefulness being based off good things is a bad way to live. That means that sometimes you're grateful when the ball is bouncing your way, but sometimes you're upset and bitter because the ball is not bouncing your way. When blessings are flowing, everybody says thank you. But when the hard times come, where is our gratefulness? The psalmist wants us to know that giving thanks and being grateful is not rooted in the things that God gives us, although those are gifts and blessings. It's rooted in the God that gave those. Know this, people. The Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His, and we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. The Bible tells us that not everybody's a sheep. In Matthew 25, we have a description of Jesus of the judgment on the last day. He calls it the, the great white throne judgment. That there will be a judgment in which God will gather everybody to Himself, all the nations, all the people, and He will separate them. And He calls them two categories. Sheep, like we have mentioned here, and goats. Two types of people in the world, sheep and goats. The sheep are the people that know God and the goats are the people that don't. The sheep are the people who have come to know the forgiveness of sins that God offers, and the goats are those who do not want their sins forgiven. There are only, there's only one type of true religious God worshiper, and it's not the one who has done well, it's the one who has been forgiven. There is not a being good enough to be right with God. Never. Baptists are wrong if they think that way. And Christians are wrong, and hardly Christians, if they think that way. There is no being good enough, or getting it together enough, or obeying enough that we become God worshipers. There is being forgiven of your sins, and therefore being made holy and right, and therefore understanding life's about God because He has done that. Well, how then can a sheep or a goat or anybody come into a right relationship with God and be a sheep of His pasture? To be somebody who says, I do, I do, Psalm 100, I do know that He is God and I am His and He made me. How do we get that way? I want to ask you to turn to the New Testament, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I'm not going to read a lot, but I want you to turn there. Not everyone is a sheep. How does somebody become a sheep? Because in Psalm 100, they are thrilled, they are singing, they are joyful, they are glad, they are servants, they are wanting to be in the presence of God because He is God, because they are His, because they are His sheep in His pasture. How do you get there? That's what you all need to know and understand. John chapter 10, starting in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, alright, this is Jesus talking. This is the very teaching of Jesus. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You see that word, pasture? You can enter through Jesus into the pasture. Does everybody see that? Verse 10, the thief, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, Jesus came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. How do you have life and have it abundantly? It's not through stuff. It's through knowing that He is God. Having a relationship with God gives me life. Having a relationship with God makes my life feel abundant. We may have stuff, we may not have stuff. Life and the abundance of life are there regardless of that based off of knowing God. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know this, He is God. And when we come to know Him as God, our God, we as His, our hearts are grateful. Have a relationship with God. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I, Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now look at verse 11, verse 11, last verse. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Does everybody see that? You want to know how to become a sheep? Turning back to Psalm 100. How do you become a sheep? It's not by birth. It's by the new birth. It's by the second birth. It is by coming to believe that Jesus Christ, as we just read in John 10, died, gave up His life for your sins. The Bible teaches us that when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, He was the Holy God. God Almighty. And as He was hanging on the cross, there was not a chance in the world, not a single chance in the world, not even a possibility that He could have died. God Almighty cannot die. God Almighty will not die. It is impossible for God to die. And Jesus hangs on the cross in all of His holiness and His righteousness, and He would have hung there forever. Struggling to breathe or bleeding, He would have hung there forever because He's God. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is also man, 100%. He is the God-man. The Bible teaches us that at a certain moment on the cross, God turned His back on His Son and put our sins on Him. That God took your sins, whatever they are, big ones, little ones, secret ones, whatever your sins are, your bad attitudes, your complaining, your bitterness, your frustrations, your, your, whatever it is, God took our sins and came to the cross where Jesus hung and God put the sins of the world on Jesus. And when the sins of the world were placed on Jesus, God who hates sin in a beautiful, holy way turned His back on His Son and killed Him. Killed Jesus. Isaiah 53 verse 10 says, It was the will of the Lord crush Him. Why? John chapter 10, verse 11, we just read it. I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. He did that so that goats like me or you could become sheep. 
He did that so that sinners like me and you could be forgiven. He did it so that people like me or you that don't know that He is God, verse 3 of Psalm 100, would come to know He is God. That we are His. He made us. We are the sheep. We are His sheep. The sheep of His pasture. I want to ask you here today if you have ever come into the family of God. I want to debunk testimonies that say, well, you know, I've always, I've always really been a Christian. I want, to get, I want you to stop thinking that way. I want you to stop saying, well, you know, I've pretty much always gone to church and, and, and I was raised in church. I want you to forget about that. I want you to forget about how you've always tried to be a good person because doesn't everybody say I've always tried to be a good person? I want you to forget about that. And I want to ask you here today, have you ever become, in other words, realized you're not, but realize you need to be His? Have you ever become a child of God? Have you ever become a sheep? Have you ever become forgiven of your sins? Like you're not forgiven, but you want to be forgiven? Because this is what prompts the singing and the gladness and the grateful heart of Psalm 100. I cannot get over this. I have a God. The Lord is God. And I am His and He is mine. And, and a matter of fact, it's a, it's a beautiful relationship of a sheep with His shepherd. David in Psalm 23 says it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Listen to this. For your rod and your staff. What are those things? Those are tools of a shepherd. Those are things that the, shep that the sheep love. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David says, oh, I love being a sheep to the shepherd of God. I love being a sheep to my God. And I want to ask you here today, if you have ever believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and therefore become one of His sheep, and therefore become a child of God. Now, in case anybody's distracted right now, it's just an analogy. We're not really sheep. We're not, we're not really goats. We're human beings that He made and that He loves and that our sins have killed Jesus. What I'm really meaning for you to say is that you can become a Christian. You can become somebody that loves God if you will turn to Him, cry out to Him, confess your sins, and be forgiven because Jesus Christ died for your sins and three days later rose to victory, rose to life. The sheep know this about God. He is God. And they're grateful. Their hearts feel gratefulness because He is God. And when our hearts are thankful because He's God, our hearts are singing because we have so much to be thankful for. Well, what all is it that we have too much to be thankful for? Because there is a God. And I know Him. And I know who He is. And He knows me and I am His. And to be totally honest, quite frank, I don't need anything else. 
God is enough, the Bible teaches. And grateful hearted people know it. You remember a couple weeks ago, Psalm 73, verse 25? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So grateful people sing to the Lord because they are grateful. And number two, grateful people Know that the Lord is God. And then lastly, verses 4 and 5. Grateful people know that the Lord is good. Verse 4 says, with an invitation to enter His gates with thanksgiving. See, verse 2 told us to come. And it shows us that if we're coming, we're coming with thanksgiving. We have lots to be thankful for. We enter His courts with praise. We give thanks to Him. We bless His name. It is the very heart of the sheep, the heart of God's people to say, thank you, God. Thank you. You familiar with 1 Thessalonians? It says, give thanks to God in all circumstances. It is the heart of the people of God to be thankful people. Why? He loves us. Why? He's faithful to us. Why? He's near. Why? He cares. Why? He knows. Verse 5, for the Lord is good. Verse 3, He is God. Verse 5, He is good. Verse 3, He is God. Verse 5, He is good. Verse 3, He is God. Verse 5, He is good. Verse 3, He is God. Don't you love this psalm? Psalm 100 seems to be enough that at this very moment of reading Psalm 100, I honestly could not care less about the stuff God might bring in and out of my life about whether my heart would be grateful. And don't you agree? At this very moment in your life, sitting right here in worship with our eyes glued to the Scriptures, Thanksgiving week, thinking about what it means to have a grateful heart, don't you realize that the great truth about life is that it's much bigger, it's much more valuable, it's much more precious than for us to be right rising up and down based off stuff. We've got much greater things that touch our heart, that mean something to us. Let goods and kindred go, Martin Luther says. This mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. What truth? He's God and He is good. And I believe that with my whole heart. The Scriptures are telling me to come and be glad and worship because of it. He is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. That's how good He is. How much does He love me so much? we got a situation in the church right now where there's a family going through some hard times. And I sent them a message this week that said, I, I'm so sorry. I love you. Your church loves you. Jesus loves you. Even more. That's how he is, y'all. You might feel love towards your family or friends or your neighbors, and you might feel like my heart's about to burst. I just love you so much. But the scriptures are showing us today that God's love for us is beyond that. It's deeper, it's more real, it doesn't fade, it's not up and down, it's not contingent upon anything. He loves us. And it lasts forever. 
And he is faithful to who? To all generations. Charles Spurgeon says, So long as we are receivers of mercy, we must be givers of thanks. And so this psalm, as I said, hits the nail on the head. If you know the mercy of God, that He is God, and that He is good, and that He gave His Son to make you a sheep, if you know the mercy of God's patience with you and that He forgives you and forgives you and forgives you and forgives you, and even once you've said, all right, enough's enough, God, I promise, enough struggling with that, I'm never going to do it again. And next week you do it again, He still loves you. His mercy still flows. And the blood of Jesus still works. It still washes away our sins. His faithfulness goes to all generations. Peter, writing in 1 Peter, speaking to pastors and calls them shepherds. It's the passage I'm going to preach from tonight when I preach directly at Josh Womble. Says in 1 Peter 5.4, When the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Psalm 100 says that we're His and we're His sheep. And Psalm 100 tells us that He's faithful to all generations and His love lasts forever. He's our shepherd, we're His sheep. And Peter says that when He comes back to get us, we will be so safe and secure that He will take us. But in His goodness, imagine this, He will give us crowns. I'm not sure how you feel, but I certainly don't deserve a crown for my living for God. But the Bible says that He's so good that He will give unfading crowns to His sheep, to His people. Notice here that verse 1 says all the earth, and verse 5 says all generations. Is there anybody that we're missing? Is there anybody possible that Psalm 100 is not speaking to? All the earth and all generations. Every time period in which people have lived and every corner of the earth that people are living or have lived. God addresses them here in Psalm 100. Rather, the psalmist cries out, you, 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 you. Hey, you way over there. Hey, you long time ago. Hey, you in the future. Come into His presence with a grateful heart. Sing to Him. Worship Him. Praise Him. And if anybody anywhere wants to ask why, we know why. He is God. And He is good. And He has made us His. His sheep through His Son. I want to challenge you here today that you would have a grateful heart this week, but, but not just this week. I mean a grateful heart. A heart that says, I am content. I am thankful to God because of two reasons. You know this, He is God. And you know this, He is good. And He has forgiven you of your sins and made you His. Let's be a grateful people. Let's pray together.
Father in heaven, thank you for Psalm 100. The Psalm of Thanksgiving. God, I pray that today we would be grateful, that you would make us a grateful people because we know you and we know what you're like. You never fail. Your love's forever. Your faithfulness forever. God, I pray that you would, even right now, move in our hearts and make us grateful. That we would be a grateful people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.